This is Wealth Curve Talk with John L. Smallwood, certified financial planner and president of Smallwood Wealth Management. With more than 30 years of experience in helping people with wealth management, financial planning, business ownership, estate planning, insurance, and more, John's here to share the news you can use to improve your financial confidence. Now, best-selling author and six-time five-star wealth manager award winner, John L. Smallwood. Today, I have a very special guest. We're going to be talking to Brent Allen. He is the founder and president of Amplify, which is for the business owners. This is CFO outsourcing. This is what his company does. This is what they do best. And one of the things that we're going to be talking about today is the concept of employee retention credits that came from all the, I guess that was from the CARES Act, right, Brent? That's correct. That original yeah. act back uh, in the spring of 2020. Exactly. So welcome today. This is a technical thing. I think a lot of people are missing this, and I think people really need to understand as a business owner what your decision tree and how you should approach this. But before we get started, tell me a little bit about your journey into being an outsourced CFO and what impact that's had on businesses and what size businesses are you, you know, where's your niche? Sure. Thanks, John. I appreciate the opportunity to be here. Yeah, I started my career in public accounting like most CPAs, transitioned to being a CFO uh, of a couple different growing companies over the years. And what I found was I was always under-resourced, specifically in companies that you know are under $100 million in revenue. They just don't have the back office teams that you know have the capability, the breadth and the depth to take advantage of all the opportunities in front of them. And you know, a lot of times that costs uh, those companies speed in the, in their growth, or it costs them on their bottom line. So uh, it was it was about four years ago that I set out to create a company that can help uh, growing companies, companies in transition, specifically companies that either have a generational transition or you know are transitioning just due to growth. They've grown 10, 20, 30 percent year over year over year. The things that got them to where they are are actually hindering them. From con- their continued growth. So we obviously are very centered on uh, the finance lane and as far as uh, fractional CFO services, but really our, our mission is to do everything that the business owner doesn't. So if the business owner is a plumber, we want him out there serving his customers. We want to be able to handle the back end for him. But that includes uh, making sure that they stay up to date on tax laws and regulation changes and things that are out there that they could be taken advantage of. That is, you know, over the last, uh, let's call it almost 18, 19 months, we had the SECURE Act come out, which impacted retirement plans and IRAs. And then fast forward COVID and then the PPP and the CARES Act and business owners were, you know, swamped with decisions. And so many, so many people dropped the ball on, you know, missed tax opportunities and ended up paying more taxes in New Jersey we had a thing that was allowed at the end of the year through the IRS came out and said, you know, pass through entities, S-Corps, multi-member LLCs, et cetera, can pay their New Jersey tax through the S-Corporation and take a deduction for it called the bait tax. And that tax was missed by so many accountants and so many people that they're now learning about it now. And, you know, it's a significant number when you live in New Jersey. Um, so mm-hmm. kind of go through 
as a business owner myself and talking to so many business owners, we know that we had the PPP. We knew there was a forgiveness timeframe for that. We knew if we kept employees, there were certain employee retention credits that we could be afforded. But there, I think you had to make a decision between the two. So walk me through the big you know, side of the CARES Act and the PPP forgiveness and the ERC and that decision matrix that we need to kind of walk through as a person that runs a business. Sure. John, I'd like to just hit something head on um, right from the beginning, because it's probably the thing I hear the most and where I think people get tripped up. You talk about those specific provisions in New Jersey. And the question I get from business owners over and over is, isn't that what my CPA is for? You know, there's a guy that files my taxes and I trust in him to be out there, be on the front edge of these things and let me know if there's something I qualify for. Yeah, I would be interested in your experience, but my experience in most CPA firms, they are really there to make sure that their clients are comply with regulation, comply with filing requirements. They do a really good job with that, but they, they really don't invest a lot of time and effort into making sure that they understand all the different programs that are out there that could benefit their clients and, and potentially help them pay less taxes. I wish it was different, but that, that's been my experience, John. I, I don't know. Have you had similar experience? A hundred percent. You know, 90, 95, 99 percent of the accounts that we encounter with our business owners are looking at the, you know, looking backwards and just reporting the results as opposed to strategically making decisions today that impact the year end. And our whole process has been, you know, built around what can we do to reduce taxes today, but more importantly, going forward. You know, what's our strategy to actually do that? And then you get these these one-offs that come up that need to be sifted through, need to be understood. And when you think about when the PPP and the CARES Act and all those things came out, it was right in the middle of tax season, even though tax season mm-hmm. was being pushed. So there wasn't a lot of time for that. And we're, you know, a lot of people are playing catch-up. And I think from my understanding of what you do and the way it's approached is that you're embracing the current changes and the impacts of what's happening. And we're turning around and we're saying, okay, how can we deploy this, you know, right now into the business owner's, you know, plan so that he or she or the, you know, the group, the partners can actually benefit from the tax saving that's out there. And, you know, we were very, very big early on when the 2017 tax law came out was the concept of 199A and qualified business income and, you know, structuring the way you got paid and and the way your entity was and reasonable compensation, et cetera, meant a lot of tax savings potentially over that time frame. And with Biden's current, you know, tax proposals, that's on the chopping block, but, you know, you need to keep maximizing it until it's no longer here. And then whatever is going to be on the other end of this, we need to assess it quickly and get retooled to take advantage of that as quickly as we possibly can. So you're 100 yeah. percent right, Brent. I mean, it is been doing this for 31 years. And as I do it, the amount of tax law changes, the amount of complexity that has you know, embraced us over that 31 years is is incredible. And what I find is most people pay more taxes than they should because of missed deductions, missed strategies, missed programs you know, not fully understanding what the availability is. And that's why 
when I was talking to you recently about the employee retention credits and the way you were approaching that and the process which you take to do that, I thought, you know, one, I wanted to share it because I thought it was so valuable with the audience that listens to this. But that's what we're trying to accomplish is stay on this as topical as we possibly can, not get caught up in the noise and focus on what's here right now, maximize it. Let's hypothetically talk about middle-of-the-road business owner that you've been working with over the last 12 months. They had a PPP decision. They had a PPP forgiveness decision. Then they had employee retention credits that most – I don't – I haven't seen a lot of employers do it at all. And mm-hmm. I, my gut is people are leaving tax dollars on the table. So kind of walk through the process there. So the challenge in this is the complexity and the documentation requirements. So there's no, no real secret sauce. I mean, there are some nuances in you know, having people understand each piece of the qualification is extremely important. A, a lot of the qualification process around ERCs are ORs, not ANDs. So I think uh, another big issue that, that folks have had is they've heard pieces of the ERC and think they don't qualify and haven't, haven't heard all the provisions under which they might. So to answer your question, John, if you go back, you know, I remember distinctly, you'll talk about some sleepless nights and weekends when the first PPP rolled out and everybody was anxious as to whether they could get in in time and could they get funded. And then that turned very quickly over the next 30 or 60 days uh, after the SBA came out and, and issued some strong word of guidance that everybody was afraid that, you know, the attestation about the need for the PPP, you know, could they, could that come back on them? And then finally the SBA came back and said, no, everybody's, everybody under $2 million is good. So that covered most, most of our clients. So then, you know, we go to this complex calculation around how could you get forgiveness that included rent, utilities, and um, a number of things that, that in, on top of payroll and then somewhere, you know, just a few months in, they came out and extended the measurement period from basically, you know, eight weeks all the way up to 24 weeks. And so when we got done with PPP round one, it ended up being an actually a very simple program. You, know, you had, you got essentially a, a couple months worth of payroll, but then you had 24 weeks over which to spend it and get full forgiveness. The majority of the forgiveness applications that we filed for our clients have not had to include things like rent, utilities, and looking at a bunch of proration and all the complex rules around the different things that you can include. We were able to to simply take a portion of the payroll over those 24 weeks. And that, that, frankly, the SBA is turning those forgiveness applications around very quickly at this point, whether we have any clients that we have that have not been forgiven for for round one. Uh, Same thing with round two. The good news about round two is pretty much everybody was, uh, all the new rules were already in place. So there wasn't as much complexity or confusion surrounding it. Banks weren't overly excited about PPP round two. And so there were some that pulled back and some folks that had trouble finding the bank that would take them. All in all, that was a smooth process. So when we look at the ERCs, the major difference between the ERCs and the PPP program is the PPP was administered by the banks. Uh, so you had a middleman and it was structured as a loan that was forgivable. So if you think about the complexity, just, just inherent complexity, you have a middleman that's, that's in the middle and you have 
basically you have to sign loan documents that then have to be, you have to have a, an application for forgiveness and then the loan has to be forgiven. So the ERCs are just a tax credit. So all that complexity that went into PPP, none of that exists with ERCs. These are, once you decide that you have qualified and get documented appropriately, you file uh, a return to claim that tax credit, and that tax credit is put into your bank account, and there's there's nothing further you have to do. That's yeah. good news, number one. Right. And I just want to clarify, a tax credit is different than a tax deduction. A credit is a dollar-for-dollar dollar reduction. So if I owe $7,000 in taxes and I had a $7,000 tax credit, I owe zero taxes. So a credit is extremely powerful. That's absolutely correct. So let me, let me tell you reason number two why most of the CPAs, have, you know, have not tackled the ERCs is because it's a payroll tax credit, John. It's not an income tax credit. So anybody that pays wages, you know, you file, most folks probably have a, a payroll provider that does this for them in the background. They probably really don't see any of it, but you file in a, what's called a 941 on a quarterly basis. Every time you pay an employee, they've got payroll taxes that are withheld. You have, as an employer, have a share of payroll taxes that are withheld. And then that's, that, again, that, file, that filing is done on a quarterly basis. Most CPAs don't touch that. Most of them, you know, focus on your income taxes. So, again, this is a form that's foreign to them. It's not something they, they necessarily generally get their hands in. You know, when we go back to the original CARES Act back in the spring of 2020, the, this ERC provision or uh, these credits were there, but it was an either-or scenario. The law said you can either take PPP or you can take the ERC tax credits. And when you when you got down to it, for almost everyone, the PPP was more beneficial, albeit slightly for some folks, but to almost everyone went the beat the route of PPP. And ERC just sat out there and, and for the most part was unused. You fast forward to December of 2020, the new legislation's coming out. And you know, the headline of that legislation was obviously the additional stimulus money that you know the, the public was getting. But one of the the big changes, or a couple of big changes, obviously they authorized PPP2 during that bill, but they came out and decoupled. They said, you can absolutely use ERC even if you file with PPP. You just can't use the same dollars. So you can't, you, you know, if you, if you paid a dollar uh, to an employee and you claim that on the forgiveness application for PPP, you can't claim that same dollar in the ERC tax credit. Hmm. So that, you know, that adds a little bit of complexity when we, we analyze for uh, our clients. We got to make sure that we have it very well documented that we don't double dip on any dollars they paid employees. But again, we, we go back, John, to, from the beginning with the PPP, when they extended it to 24 weeks, you don't need 24. Most people, unless there's a major disruption in your business as far as, I mean, like really, like you lay a bunch of people off, most people didn't need 24 weeks to claim forgiveness for eight weeks worth of wages. So, I mean, there's plenty of wages sitting there in that time frame to be able to claim on ERC as well. So, like, during that 24-week period, let's say you needed 12 weeks to qualify for PPP, now you got 12 weeks mm -hmm. of unused, basically. Yeah, and, and it's, a, it's a tad more complicated than that, John, but yeah. actually, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, we may... Well, yeah, so we, during those 12 weeks, maybe we, we might only use 50% of the wages, and we may use the whole 24 weeks, only use 50% of the wages paid, and use some of that for the ERC tax credits. But effectively, what you said is correct. For most businesses, there's plenty of money there to claim both credits. 
So if you look at the rules that were put in place, because there's some other really good things that were enhanced during that December legislation, you look back at 2020, the rules were you had to be down by 50% on your gross receipts to qualify, and you could qualify for one quarter, and uh, you could qualify for up to $5,000 an employee, uh, depending on how the wages that you paid them. So you, you fast forward to the new legislation in December of 2020, and they extended the ERCs for all of 2021. They increased it to up to $7,000 an employee. They decreased the gross receipts test down. You only have to be down 20% on gross receipts. And they made it for all four quarters. So if you were to qualify for all four quarters, you could get up to $28,000 per employee. So it's substantial tax credit. Uh, you know, we've had a lot of clients. upon what their payroll taxes were. For that period. Well, it's interesting. It's interesting. It's actually not based upon the payroll taxes, John. It's a refundable payroll tax credit. So hmm. you're not limited to what you actually paid in. The formula for, let's call it, let's talk about 2021. The formula is you get 70% of the wages back in the tax credit up to $10,000 a quarter per employee. Hmm. So if you've got a $40,000 a year employee, um, just for simple math, you would qualify to get $7,000 for the wages you paid back in this tax credit. Wow. Yeah, I mean, very powerful. We, we've had, again, we've had a lot of clients that have received as much or more money through these ERC tax credits than they did through PPP. So, again, you don't talk about things that misconceptions people have is they think that, well, all I could get back was, you know, the FICA that I'm paying in, and that number's not not really that big. That's just not the case. That's not the way this is structured. So I'm a business owner. Let's say I've got 10 empl- or 20 employees. My payroll is a million, uh, let's call it $2 million, just as an example. And I'm paying the FICA on all that stuff, but I could get a lot more than the FICA in credit moving forward. That's correct. That's correct. So again, big, big dollars. There's so many provisions in this bill. Yeah, but I want to focus in on, you know, we just talked about the gross receipts test, John, and this is another place where people get stuck. So they say, well, my business wasn't down 50% in 2020. My business has not been down 20% in 2021. So I don't qualify. The, the interesting thing, most people don't realize there's a totally separate test. And that is if you were uh, shut down either fully or partially, uh, listen very carefully, the word partially by any governmental order. Okay, so let's take, you know, almost anybody in the country is going to qualify for at least one quarter in 2020 because they are going to have been impacted at least partially by governmental shutdowns. So it's, you know, it's easy test when you think about full shutdown. So, John, in New Jersey, you know, what was I'm sure you can think back where there's certain industries or maybe movie theaters or something, something along those lines that were 100 percent shut down by governmental order for some period of time. Hair salons, stuff like that. Yeah. Hair salons. Um, yeah. Yeah. So those um, are easy, right? Everybody, everybody understands that. But even and like just to kind of, just to kind of continue on that for a second, a lot of the, you know, firms were shut down from going into the office. Everybody was remote working. I mean, that's, that's a nuance there, but I know a lot of companies, you know, weren't allowed to have their people in their offices because of office buildings were shut down and they were, you know, white collar consulting law firms, et cetera, 
uh, that weren't allowed to have people in, and then then it was allowed to come back. But that would, to me, that would qualify because you couldn't have people in the office, right? I mean, you're shut down. Well, that's where the rules get pretty nuanced, John. You got to look at each situation individually, because what I would consider that to be is more a partial shutdown. And so, partial shutdown means we weren't prevented from doing business, but we were considered essential, or we could work remotely. So we weren't completely shut down. The test for partial shutdown is one, some line of your business had to be impacted and that line cannot be nominal. So any line of business that you have that is greater than or equal to 10% of your yearly wages, if it was impacted, you can qualify. We have a lot of clients that overall their gross receipts were up during these periods, but they had portions of their business that were down because of the governmental um, orders. So you take somebody, you know, like maybe maybe a hotel, you know, once hotels open back up, if they had 10% of their business was in conferences or was in, you know, maybe they had a bar, um, even restaurants. We, we think about restaurants were shut down for a period, but then they were open back up for takeout, but they still couldn't open up their bar. Golf courses are another good example. A lot of golf courses really did well. Uh, because a lot of folks, that was an outdoor activity. But if they have a clubhouse and food and beverage was a big, was at least 10%, they qualify. So mm-hmm. we've got a lot of clients that overall their revenue was up, but they still qualify because a portion of their business was impacted. Does that make sense, John? Totally. I mean, that's an important nuance. And you really need to go through your business and how you fit into one of those categories. Yeah. One of the other really kind of wild parts about this, John, is I'm a go back to the gross receipts test, but you know, there's something called the alternative method uh, in calculation. And what that says is that you can qualify in a quarter based on the previous quarter. And effectively what that means is if you qualify for one quarter, you get two. Mm. And so, you know, you just think about, again, if you were able to maximize, you take your example of 20 employees, which is a relatively small firm. If you were to get, you know, $7,000 an employee. So you qualify, if you only qualify for one quarter, all of a sudden you're getting 140000 And now because of that alternative calculation, you're going to get it twice. So, you know, all of a sudden you're getting $280,000 in tax credit. That's real money. That's money that's going to show up in your bank account. Um, no process for forgiveness. You don't have to worry about any of that. Simple filling out a form 941X. Again, you want to make sure you have your documentation really buttoned up so that if the IRS ever were wanted to come back and test your self-qualification that you were ready for that. But, you know, it's it's really a, it's a home run for small business owners. It's painful for me to see how many folks are not taking advantage of it. Yeah, no, uh, absolutely. So right now, if you haven't taken advantage of this, you should start doing it right now, going through those tests to make sure, you know, and see if you qualify and then start to do it. Absolutely. You know, we, you could still go back all the way to 2020 and go back and claim this money. So it's not, it's not lost. It's not gone yet. But, you know, I see a lot of folks just passing over it. Hmm. Well, this is, this is incredibly helpful. If people want to reach out to you to find more about what you do, tell me, I'm on your website. I see it's amplifygrowth.com. I see you have a free mm-hmm. consult button. Tell me how your process would work. You know, business owner can call you. Are you only doing the ERC for people that are, you know, Amplify CFO type clients or, you know, how does it work? 
No, we, we set up a dedicated team specifically for the ERCs just because we saw the need. Uh, certainly somebody could come onto our website, hit the pre-consult, they can schedule a call, and we can talk to them briefly at that point. The way that we've approached to the ERCs is we take a 10% fee for anything that you actually get, that refund that you get. So a couple things. Number one, it doesn't cost you anything for us to analyze it and tell you whether you qualify or don't. Uh, and number two, we don't get paid until that refund is actually in your bank account. If you're eligible for $280,000, you'll get that $280,000 in, in your bank account before you ever have to turn around and pay us. Pretty darn good offer. Great. It's, it's a no, yeah. no lose. I mean, if you do all the work and a business owner doesn't qualify, they're not paying. That's correct. we got a great team, John. They spend a lot of time documenting. Part of our process and our product here is not just – helping you determine whether you're eligible, helping you get those uh, tax returns filed. But we also provide you with the documentation that you can put in your file that, you know, if the IRS does want to come back three years from now, five years from now and question you, you're going to have some excellent backup to show exactly how you qualified, what the decision process was. Um, so we're excited. We, you know, we're, we're closing in on already doing uh, over $10 million in these credits just on our little firm. And so it's uh it's, it's big money, John. It really is. It's big money. And, I, you know, we're heading into another pivot point here in the economy with tax law changes, uh, you know, variants, et cetera. So maximizing tax benefits, the business owners stockpiling as much, you know, cash as they can to go through, you know, the next, you know, 24 months, again, is super, super important. This has been extremely enlightening. I'm very interested in it for many aspects because you, you get stuck in your thinking sometimes, right? And the key of working with somebody like you is to get out of the normal thinking, right? You got to step back and look at the big picture, which is what we do in the wealth management side is, you know, there's no strategy that you say everybody must do this strategy. You're going to approach mm -hmm. it from a different perspective and look at the whole, look at the partners, look at their personal financial strategies, understand where the issues are, and then design strategy to maximize taxes. But this, minimize taxes, not maximize. Almost rolled over. Um, but uh, <laughs> but uh, seriously, I got to catch myself there. But um, this is super important. And I think that as a business owner and the business owners that we represent and the business owners that listen to this podcast, and if you've made it this far in the podcast, reach out to Brent and his team, get a consult, get an analysis done and, you know, explore what their other services are. Because as always, when you get in and they're looking at things, I'm sure there's many things that they can help you with to, you know, maximize your cash flows and minimize, you know, the leakage that we talk about it. Cause I see it all the time. I mean, you, you work with a business owner, you get together, you, you see the way things are being done, taxes filed, salaries being paid, and you'll find a lot of money leaking out that, you know, it's just poor strategy. It's not thinking. But this is one of those things that's time, it's time driven and we need to take advantage of it yesterday. Yeah. So, John, it's yeah. so hard to cover. It's so hard to cover everything, even related to ERCs in the podcast like this. But one last thing I just want to throw out there, a little nugget that's in that legislation is that there's something called a recovery business startup. And that's any business that started after February 15th, 2020 automatically qualifies for the ERCs for Q3 and Q4 this year, up to $50,000 a quarter. 
So you can you take all the tests that we just talked about. You can fill them out the door. If that if you have a company that started after February fifteenth, twenty twenty, you automatically qualify. So there's just there's just so many so many nuances in this. Would love to talk to any of the folks that are listening uh, and try to help them take advantage of it. Well, this has been very helpful. Is there a number that they should call? Sure, absolutely. It's uh it's easier for them to give us a call. They can call three three six eight six two zero eight three zero. Awesome. I really appreciate it and uh, look forward to catching up with you on this and getting you back on for maybe a follow-up on the next round of whatever is going to come out of this. I think it's going to be a very valuable conversation. I've enjoyed it. Want more from John? Connect now at smallwoodwealth.com and ask about getting your own Wealth Curve scorecard. That's smallwoodwealth.com. Wealth Curve Talk with John L. Smallwood is brought to you by Smallwood Wealth Management, an investment advisor representative. Strategies mentioned may not be suitable for everyone, and the information expressed does not take into account your specific situation or objectives and is not intended as recommendations appropriate for you. Information has been obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action as information and or opinion are subject to change without notice. Investments involve risk and, unless otherwise stated, are not guaranteed. Past performance cannot be used as an indicator to determine future results. Smallwood Wealth Management provides content that is true and accurate as of the date of publishing. However, we give no assurance or warranty regarding the accuracy, timeliness, or applicability of any of the contents. We assume no responsibility for information contained on this website or podcast and disclaim all liability in respect of such information, including but not limited to any liability for errors, inaccuracies, omissions, misleading, or defamatory statements.